We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Kicks for Pace, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Hosted by Alex Blevin and Andrew Freeman on Overtime Media. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman, and my normal co-host, Alex Blethen, could not make it for this episode, but I am looking forward to being joined by, you say, Koshal, another writer here at the Bear Report. Uh, he joined me for an earlier episode of Picks for Pace, where we covered the college football playoff. It was a really fun um, episode to record. Um, you said, how are you doing today? Doing well, man. How are you? Doing good. We're recording this episode on Monday, March 9th. So we're a week away from free agency. Um, I, I don't know about you. You said, I mean, I'm just really pumped about that. Uh, I'm, I'm just ready for free agency and all the chaos that comes with that to kick off. Um, just a lot of exciting stuff going down in the NFL offseason period. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited, too, because, I mean, as Ryan Pace has taught us in the past, you never know what's going to happen. So I look forward to just what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks, because that's really going to tell us uh, what Pace says in free agency. How is that going to dictate the draft strategy? Because I know right now everyone's got their own draft strategy in terms of this is how we want the Bears to do. But once free agency comes and goes, like, it'll be more clear of what the Bears are going to do and what positions they need to target. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, there's so much speculation going on this time of the year with free agency. And speaking of free agency, that leads us into today's sponsor, The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for diehard fans. If you're looking for news stories that go beyond just what you see on Sundays and in the box score, Bears fans, The Athletic may just be the thing for you, offering unique and original content that focuses on up-to-date, advanced analysis 
of your favorite teams. By subscribing to The Athletic, you can customize and choose the content that you care about, gaining full access to all of your favorite sports, teams, cities, and writers. Uh, speaking of writers, The Athletic features an all-star panel of some of the best journalists from around the country. I know myself, I, I really like to follow Adam Johns, who uh, covers the Chicago Bears for The Athletic. He posts a lot of interesting articles on The Athletic, just a lot of interesting reads. Uh, the best part about The Athletic, though, the Athletic comes without any advertisements, pop-ups, or autoplay videos. So no advertisements, no clickbait, just exceptional sports content for you, the fans. So if you're ready to get started, visit www.theathletic.com-overtime to get 40% off your yearly subscriptions. That's theathletic.com-overtime, all lowercase, to get 40% off your yearly subscription. And you can also download The Athletic app on your smartphone. So transitioning to today's episode, we are in the process of breaking down every position group here at Picks for Face for the upcoming 2020 NFL Draft. Last week, we previewed this year's class of quarterbacks and running backs. So for this episode, we are shifting our focus now from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball, namely with the defensive backs. And starting with the quarterback position here, and I'll start with you, Said. In terms of your top five players at this position group, at the quarterback position in this draft, who are the five guys that you're looking at in terms of your best players at this position? Uh, yeah, so number one is obviously I think the consensus guy for everyone is Jeffrey Okuda. And I don't – there's no way he's going to be on the board when the Bears pick at 43rd mm -hmm. overall. Just because I think – I mean, right now he's like the best quarterback prospect, I would say, since Marshawn Lattimore, even Jalen Ramsey. Uh, and then after Okuda, I'm looking at C.J. Henderson of Florida, uh, Jeff Gladney from TCU, and then this fourth guy, I can't really say his name, but it's Noah Ego Benihi from Auburn, and then uh, Trayvon Diggs from Alabama. And I think when you look at uh, the, kid from, the player from Auburn and then the one from Alabama, those are two guys that I think could legitimately be there at uh, 43 if the Bears were to decide that we want to the cornerback need in the second round because they did move on from Prince and Mukamar a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you said, it. I mean, the second round is going to be a prime spot, I think, in this draft for cornerback. You know, looking at my top five here, I agree with you. Jeffrey Okuda, I mean, he's probably going to go top five in this year's class. I think he's just as good as Jalen Ramsey when he was coming out of Florida State. I mean, everything you're looking for in a cornerback uh, in today's NFL in terms of the size, the length, the fluidity, the speed, instincts, ball skills. I mean, Okuda has it all. He's, he's a special talent. Um, you know, there's a bit of a gap between Okuda, though, and the rest of the guys in this class, I feel like. You know, my number two as well is C.J. Henderson from Florida. You know, Henderson, he's got a lot of problems with his tackling, but, you know, you don't really draft or pay cornerbacks for their tackling ability in most schemes. You know, he's a, he's a lockdown, man-to-man cover corner. Great ball skills, good instincts. I mean, he's got all the physical traits you look for in a shutdown cornerback on the outside. Uh, he's a guy that could go in the first round, but it's very possible that teams might look at his tackling and have him push to the second round, in which case, you know, the Bears could jump all over that and get a true man-to-man -man cornerback opposite of Kyle Fuller in that situation. So he's my number two as of right now. Uh, I have Jeff Glandy at number three as well out of TCU. I love his game. Then at number four, I have Tron Diggs as well out of Alabama. You know, he's got – he's the brother of Stephon Diggs, and 
you know, so he has those ball skills you like from your secondary um, in order to uh, make plays on the ball, uh, get some interceptions, and uh, just make it tough for quarterbacks to create completions on him. He's still a little bit raw in some areas, kind of new to playing the position because uh, he was a wide receiver earlier in his career at Alabama. But now as that full-on cornerback, you know, he's a guy that has a lot of upside with a lot of his physical traits. And then number five for me, I have Jalen Johnson, cornerback out of Utah. Uh, he's kind of the prototypical press man corner. You know, he's not very good in terms of his lateral agility and moving in space at times. But if you want a guy to get up on the line of scrimmage and bully some wide receivers around there and make it tough for them to get into their routes, he's the perfect guy uh, in this draft. He's got a very good size, very good strength, and very good length for the position. Uh, he's got some good ball skills as well. I, I really like his game. I think he's going to be a player that uh, should have success at the next level. Yeah, and, you know, I think so one of the things to keep in mind with the cornerback position here is that right now it's basically – it just seems like it's Kyle Fuller and everyone else mm-hmm. in terms of who's going to play on the outside because you know for a fact that Buster Screen's going to be back in the slot. You have Duke Shelley. You have Trey Roberson. Kevin Tolliver is on the roster right now too. But – and all of those guys were – everyone but Roberson's returning from the cornerback room this year. But I think that – you know, if the Bears decide, hey, look, we don't want to draft a uh, cornerback in round two because we feel like it's deep enough, then I think that there are definitely some hidden gems that they could find on, like, you know, day three, let's say, to definitely shore up that position. Because right now, cornerback two is an uncertainty. Yeah, in terms of guys you're looking for late in the draft, you know, who's one or two guys for you that you think would be a nice sleeper pick for the Bears if they decide to maybe forego taking a quarterback in that second round if they decide to maybe address some other needs early. Yeah, you know, so one guy for me, right, would be Lavert Hill from Michigan. And I know that some people just are not, like, super high on him. But, like, I did watch his game, and there was some encouraging stuff to see because he is good in, um, you know, man coverage. And then he's got good footwork as well. But one issue with Hill, I think, is just the fact that he's light for the cornerback position. I mean, you look at some of the measurables, he's listed, I believe, 182 Mm -hmm. in terms of his weight. So if he does, you can't really rely on a guy that light to go ahead and cover bigger wide receivers. So that's definitely going to be something that he's going to need to add on is just some more strength to his frame. And then the second guy, um, I would say, is – Probably Lamar Jackson from Nebraska, the cornerback. And he's one guy that I think is going to be drafted much higher than people expect because I see the athleticism from him there and he's got good length too. But I think that right now, like in the NFL, something that's taken over is, uh, you know, length in cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm high on Lamar Jackson as well. Uh, he's a guy that has tremendous length. I think he's above six feet tall. So he's got that height you look for to play on the outside. And, you know, that's something that I think the Bears should be looking for in this draft, like a guy that can play on the outside because I think they're pretty good in the slot position with Buster Screen there as that veteran player for another year, maybe two, depending on, uh, you know, how that works out with his contract. And then Duke Shelley, who they drafted last year, who, you know, he didn't really have a lot of snaps in preseason, but from what I saw, he looked pretty solid and looks like a guy that has some upsides, maybe develop into a solid player there. Um, in the future. So I like what they have on the slot side of things for the Bears secondary. 
But that outside corner, like you mentioned, there's just a lot of question marks besides Cal Fuller. So I think going into this draft, I think looking for that outside corner is something that should be a priority for the Bears. And, you know, Lamar Jackson fits that to a T. He's a guy who has very long arms, you know, good ball skills. Not necessarily the greatest change of direction skills or, uh, you know, he doesn't really have the greatest long speed in the world. But he's a guy that plays physical on the outside. He can match up and press coverage and really, you know, bully wide receivers around. I really like that about his game. And, you know, another guy that kind of fits that role for me as well is Jerome Bryant out of Fresno State. He was a guy that had four defensive touchdowns in his career at Fresno State. So he's a guy that can make plays on the ball. And then when he gets the ball in his hands, he's more than capable of taking it to the house. So he's got a lot of talent. He's got a very similar build to Lamar Jackson and stuff. He's not as uh, strength. He doesn't have that strength or, you know, have that, quite that muscular frame as Jackson has at this point. Jerome Bryant's a little bit more on the slender side of things which is why I think he's going to be in that sixth to seventh round area in this draft. But I like his ball skills. I like his upside there. And if, you know, if the Bears decide that they like what they have in the roster as of now and maybe just want to add a little bit more competition, you know, getting a guy like him to compete on the outside late in the draft is something that I definitely wouldn't be opposed to. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, I think that Pace's signature – Pace's best drafting really happens on day three when he's able to figure out some of these guys that are hidden gems. And I think it's particularly that shows on the defensive side of the ball, just in terms of you look at 2016, he found Nick Wachowski. 2015, he found Adrian Amos. Um, and then last year was Duke Shell, who everyone thought was really going to develop into a solid starter and push someone like Buster Screen, but he was inactive because of lack of opportunities. So I know some may say, well, Look, there are bigger needs on this roster than a cornerback right now. And I do agree with that. But at the same time, like, if one of these guys is there, you got to go best player available because the draft board can fall a million different ways. Yeah, and just another thing to think about here with the way the NFL is trending, you know, where it's purely – it's more of a passing league right now. You want to have good depth at that cornerback position because if – if your top guy goes down, especially for the Bears with Kyle Fuller, if he goes down for an extended period period of time, as of right now, the way they're constructed, the Bears are kind of screwed with what they have on the roster. You know, if Kyle Fuller stays healthy, then I think they still have a solid secondary in place there. But without Kyle Fuller, it just doesn't really work in, in the back end of this defense right now uh, because he is such a good player on the outside, just such a dependable player for them. And they just don't have that at that other cornerback position to where – you can rely on, on a guy to step up and fill in that production there, which I think is a bit of a scary thing going into this offseason period is, you know, can they find somebody that can fill in Amukamara's consistency and production and uh, kind of get the most out of a guy for cheap? Yeah, and it's it's going to be something to monitor because, the you know, the this roster is obviously built to win now. But, like, you look at Kyle Fuller, I mean, his contracts, he signed a four-year deal in the 2018 offseason we're two years into that now mm -hmm. and so he's you know he'll be a free agent in 2022 right but the Bears could always cut ties with him earlier if they wanted to and he's gonna be 29 in or 28 and 20 he's 28 right now so you do definitely have to begin thinking of potentially replacing some of these older guys that were on the roster like so we saw it with Prince of Mukamara. I still think Fuller's going to be here until his contract expires because he's had a big turnaround but at the same time like if you have an option to get one of these younger guys and get cheap cornerback play 
from these guys on a four-year deal, let's say, if they're anywhere between second and seventh rounders, that's their draft range, then you have to pull the trigger on that because you can draft and develop. And then most cases, you're probably only paying these guys like one big contract. Yeah. I mean, you said the big contract thing. That's, and that's the thing. Quarterbacks are getting a lot more expensive to get in free agency and on the trade market because coverage is so important right now. So gaining those guys in the draft, especially in the, on day three in those later rounds, you know, that is, that's kind of a way to go at that cornerback position if, in terms of if you want to get good bang for your buck at that spot because it's a tough position to play. It's tough for these younger guys, especially, uh, to develop right away and contribute early on in their career. So getting a guy to come in, compete for a bit, develop his craft in the first couple of years of his career, and then when a guy like Kyle Fuller moves on eventually, you know, you have someone there to, that's ready to step up and can fill in that production right away. So. We talked about guys who could be sleepers for us in this draft, but who's one player that you think is maybe getting a little bit too much hype right now or just maybe a little bit overrated in the sense that he might get picked a round or so higher than uh, where you think he should go in this draft? You know, it's tough for me to say a definitive one just because the issue with this cornerback class is the fact that it's so deep mm-hmm. and that's a good thing. But then at the same time, you're also going to have a lot of split opinions on who – that one overdrafted guy could be or just who the overrated guy is but I have to say it's Bryce Hall from Virginia now go at the start of the 2019 college football season I saw you know scouting reports mock drafts etc of Hall potentially being a top five cornerback in this class but at the same time I look at it and I'm like okay look so he is good in coverage he does have good uh, footwork, but then there are just times where he loses his, um, you know, matchups, and so that's kind of an issue for me because as in the NFL as a cornerback, if you're not winning your matchups, then you're not going to be in this league for very long. But on the other side of things, I can also see why people like Hall and why people are much higher on them, and those traits are, and that's usually because of stuff like his physicality. Um, you know, his tackling, so those different types of things. But I'm just lower on Hall than most. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with your sentiment there. That's really hard to pinpoint just one guy to pick out as, you know, being overrated in this class because a lot of it is kind of like what your scheme is and just kind of what your taste is and what you're looking for in a cornerback. You know, with Hall, he's kind of that more physical cornerback like you mentioned. You know, some teams don't really value that. Some teams look for guys that are a little bit more fluid who can play in man coverage off ball a little bit more and match up down the field a little bit. Um, now, in terms of guy, a guy that I think is might get a little bit overdrafted in this class, I, I go to a guy like Christian Fulton out of LSU. And it's not because I don't think he's a good player or anything like that. I, I think he's got a lot of talent. I think he's going to be a good player at the next level. But I see a lot of people out there rate him as a – no doubt first round day one talent who's going to go in the first round is going to be a lock there. And personally, I mean, as you saw with my top five, you know, neither of us had him in our top five, you know, as well. So, I mean, I just personally just don't see him quite that good. I think he's very good in terms of a day two type of pick. He's, he's built very well to play on the outside, which I like. He's got pretty solid athleticism. Um, Did a good job in coverage this past year for LSU on the outside, but you know, again, I think in terms of guys with upside in this class, doesn't have the most upside for me, and that's that's kind of why I'm a little bit lower on him than a few other people out there um, that are, you know, working on the draft so much. 
Yeah, and you know it's gonna be like we said, you know, it's a deep cornerback class, so it's hard to pinpoint who exactly is mm-hmm. perhaps the most overrated guy in this class. But Fulton, so Fulton's also he's just super interesting because I've seen a lot of people have him ranked as their number two cornerback in the class. And I can see why, because I know for a fact that coming out of high school, I think it was 2015 or 16, he was just a very uh, highly touted player, and he chose to remain in the state of Louisiana. But, um, you know, I've got my questions about him, too. And really, when you look at it, like, he's solid in manner zone coverage, right? But, um, you know, how is he going to do just in terms of, like, the run support because I've seen some people say, oh yeah, he's really good in that, but I'm not so sure myself. Um, and then I really do not view Fulton for a guy who's labeled as like a number two corner in a lot of uh, mock drafts or like big boards. I don't see him being like a true ball hawk compared to some of the other guys that we've uh, mentioned. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, if you're looking at guys to be in your top five in this class or a first round talent, you know, they either, they either have to be a guy that you think could be a shutdown man-to-man cover guy for you or a guy that has those special playmaking instincts that can just uh, make a play on the ball and create a lot of turnovers for, turnovers for you because, you know, in a passing league like today, uh, if, if you're not going to be able to, you know, blanket receivers, um, you know, on a consistent basis, which is getting harder and harder to do with the rule changes and, you know, just the way schemes have kind of evolved over the past few years, then you got to get a guy that, you know, has the ability to make a play on the ball and create turnovers for you. Because we saw that with the Bears last year. You know, I thought they were very solid in coverage for the most part in the defensive back group last season, but the turnovers just weren't the same as they were in 2018. And that proved to be a big factor in the defense not playing at the level that they were a year before uh, because they had a historic turnover rate in 2018, and they just weren't able to sustain that. In fact, I think their turnovers cut in half, if I have that correct. And you could just tell with the way that worked out all season that uh, it just it limited their ability to be a true force on the game. And it didn't help their offense one bit either with all of their struggles. So uh, getting that guy that in the secondary that can make plays on the ball and get the ball back for their offense, I think, is something that's very key when you're looking at a guy in the first round. Yeah, you know, I will say this regarding the Bears uh, 2019 defense. You know, Fangio, he spent basically – Fangio and Pace spent like four years building that up, right? It it did not – the defense didn't all of a sudden become great once Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith arrived. Also, you have to keep in mind when you compare it to 2019, there were a lot of injuries to a lot of key players, mainly in the front seven that really kind of hindered what the secondary was able to do because we all know that a good front seven can help really benefits a uh, good secondary. And so going into 2020, I mean, we're getting this defense, right? Right now, the front seven, Akeem Hicks is projected to be back. There's a question on middle linebacker. You don't know who's going to start opposite cornerback, opposite fuller, and then safety next to Eddie Jackson's question. But, like, I would be comfortable in saying it's fair to expect probably eight of the 11 guys that were here in 2019 return. Yeah, I think so as well. They're going to have some turnover at that cornerback and strong safety spot, like you mentioned. But I expect their core to be back, and I expect them to play at a high level. 
you know, and I like what you mentioned about the front seven helping out the secondary a little bit because that was definitely the case with the Bears last year. I just felt like once Hicks went down with that injury, the pass rush just wasn't the same. And we saw that reflected in how the defense played. You know, look at that first four games of the season. You know, the Bears were playing at a very high level on defense, I thought. I mean, and the numbers bear that out too. They were, you know, they had a similar turnover rate. Uh, they were getting after the quarterback at a high rate. They were getting a lot of sacks. Uh, just wasn't the same once Hicks went down. He's, he's really the heartbeat of the defense, I think. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you. Front seven, that's going to be something that is definitely going to be a priority, I think, for the Bears in this offseason. But in terms of the cornerback room in this draft, you know, if you were running the Bears, what would be your strategy for this draft and how you would address the position? Uh, obviously not knowing what's going to happen in free agency at that spot as well. So, yeah, you know, regarding Bears draft strategies, you have 43rd pick and the 50th pick. So you have two second rounders and it's a deep draft class just because there are guys that normally in other NFL drafts would be round one guys, but because of such a deep draft class, they are going to be slipping to the second round. So there's great value right there. Now, if I'm pace, uh, I'm not going to take a cornerback unless there's a surefire guy that falls to you. I think what you need to do is use 43 and 50 to one trade, get one of the, you know, take one of those picks and trade back so that what you're doing is potentially getting an extra third rounder in the process or even an extra fourth rounder. But uh, you got to address the tight end and offensive line positions just because a right guard to be more specific on the offensive line, just because those are two positions that we saw last year. They really held the Bears back from having a solid offense. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting because. Again, like you kind of alluded to, it's kind of a best player available thing. You know, if there's a guy that's too good to pass up, you definitely have to go for it, especially in this draft where there's just so much depth at this cornerback position. Uh, I'm kind of thinking around the similar lines of you. I, I think the Bears do the trade back with one of their second-round picks to get just as much ca draft capital as possible just to try and make that happen. Um, you know, it's, it's tough because they, they're projected to have eight picks, but – you know, they need as many swings at the plate as possible to kind of get some young depth on this roster, I think. So they can trade back to the third round and maybe address cornerback there. I think that'd be a pretty good spot because, you know, there's just a lot of talent here on day two that I think uh, they can get a guy a little bit later if they wanted to. And I look at guys like not even some of the players that we didn't even talk about yet. I look at guys like A.J. Terrell from Clemson, who's a pretty solid player. Damon Arnett, who I really like out of Ohio State. He had a very nice year this past season. You know, I'm very confident that they're going to try to address as many of the needs um, as possible during free agency, like you mentioned at tight end, like you mentioned at uh, the interior offensive line. So that would, you know, make it so that they could actually go with the best player available strategy when it does come to draft day. Um, it just depends on who they and how they, you know, kind of address those positions uh, going forward. But, you know, I think we talked a lot about the quarterback position here. A lot of great names to keep an eye out for in this upcoming draft. A lot of guys that we both really, really like, like we've mentioned so many times before, just a very deep class. And uh, day two is kind of the best parts, I, I think, of this draft class in terms of if you want to look at that cornerback position and address it with a guy that could be an immediate contributor for you. That's kind of a sweet spot area, but a lot of depth behind that as well. So before we transition to the safety position, we're going to take our second break of the show with another word from our sponsor. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, 
Bass Reeves and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And we're back here at Picks for Pace. We just had an awesome conversation talking about the cornerback position in this draft class. A lot of intriguing talents in this class at that spot. But now we're going to shift our focus towards the safety position where, you know, for me, you say, I, I don't think it's as deep as the cornerback spot, but there is some intriguing talents at the top of this draft class, I think. And, you know, for you, who are the top five guys that you're looking for in this draft on your board? Yeah, so my number one guy is Grant Delpit, and the reason being is because he just gives off some Derwin James vibes, and I think that, like I said earlier with the cornerbacks, Delpit's a guy that if there's not a run on wide receivers in round one, he's a guy that could you could see being taken in that like mid to late first first round range, and he he reminds me a bit of uh, Cam Chancellor who played for the Seahawks for some time because he just brings so much physicality to the position. And that's what you want to see. You want to see a safety that's able to be great in coverage, but then also come up and make plays close to a line of scrimmage and be a hard hitter and force their will. And then my second guy is Xavier McKinney from Alabama. And the reason I'm, I like McKinney as well is because he reminds me a lot of Minka Fitzpatrick in the sense that he is able to play in multiple spots all over the field. And that versatility is something that defensive coordinators will covet because with the way the NFL is going, it's, it's like too much versatility now is just not a bad thing. And then my personal like draft crush for the Bears that I think is going to be there at 43 or 50. And if he is, you have to pull the trigger is Ashton Davis from California because this is someone who's basically a walk-on at California. Um, and, you know, he's – you can put him in single high safety. He's not a game changer in terms of his acceleration, but he does have some jets. And then just he's a hard-hitting safety that I think that his playing style as a result of being such a hard-hitting safety would go ahead and really complement um, Eddie Jackson really well, especially because I saw the report from The Athletic today that um, – they are potentially looking the Bears to get a true box safety. And I think that Davis is a guy who could play in the box. And then fourth for me would be Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois. He's kind of a local kid. I know he blew the combine up and that really improved his stock. And so uh, I'm going to be interested to see how he does just over the next couple weeks. And then the final guy for me is Kyle Duggar, small school guy from Lenore Ryan. I think that He's explosive, um, and he can really be an influence. I mean, he can really go ahead and be really good in zone coverage. But my the one drawback I've got with Tudor is that he's from a D3 school, and we've seen in the past when Pace picks some D3 guys, they don't necessarily pan out. Yeah, that's an interesting top five there. You know, I kind of like what you have it one and two, except for me, I kind of flipped it. I have Xavier McKinney as my number one safety in this class. And you, you laid it all out there perfectly. He's a do-it-all, jack-of-all-trades type of safety. You can line him up all over the field. Um, I just love what he brings to the table overall. Uh, Grant Delpit is my number two as of right now. Um, you know, what's tough with Delpit is I kind of agree with you. He's got the size that you want to be that physical in-the-box safety. But for whatever reason, uh, during 2019, 
Um, I, you know, he was battling injuries throughout the year, so that might have had an effect on his game. But for whatever reason, like, it seemed like he was just not the same tackler that I saw from him in 2018. The tackling was kind of all over the place, which has kind of dropped him uh, for me a little bit. Um, you know, for whatever reason, he was just not the same tackler that I saw. But I like him in coverage. He's got the size that you want. And if he can figure out that tackling issue that he had this past season, I think he's going to be a very, very good player. He's definitely a first-round type of talent for me as well. Uh, number three, I have Kyle Duggar. He's a guy that uh, came, you know, along slowly for me. I didn't really know anything about him until the Senior Bowl. And once he kind of got exposed to me there and I started to dig into him a little bit, I, I really love his game. He's a freak athlete. I mean, you talk about Jeremy Chin blowing up the combine. Kyle Duggar had just as, just as impressive of a combine as Jeremy Chin in terms of the athleticism and all the testing there. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, when you're looking at guys at smaller schools playing in that division, I think he played in Division three or was it Division two with Lenore Ryan. I'm not sure which one it was. Um, but when you're looking at guys like a small school there, you want to see them dominate their competition. And he absolutely did that. He was by far always the best player on the field whenever he stepped on the field. And that's what you're looking for every single time from a small school type of player. Uh, for my number four guy, I have Antoine Winfield Jr. out of Minnesota. He is the son of former Minnesota Vikings uh, defensive back Antoine Winfield. Um, very good player in his own right. Um, you know, the thing with Winfield is the only question mark I have is, He's not quite the elite athlete that you want from a free safety, but that's kind of how his game plays. Uh, he's a very, he's got very good instincts, very good ball skills. I think he had seven interceptions this past year. Um, another thing to look out for is his durability just wasn't very good throughout college. I think he redshirted due to medical reasons twice, I think, during his college career. Um, so durability is an issue for me. Lack of elite athleticism is an issue for me. But in terms of, you know, what he showed to me um, – when I just watched him play, he's got it all in terms of the instincts, ball skills, knowing where everything is going on the field, um, tackling. You know, he's not afraid to stick his nose in there and get physical in the run game. Um, really love what I saw from him this past season. And then I have Ashton Davis at number five. You know, Davis, he was a converted cornerback from California, so he spent his first couple of years there at cornerback. And you kind of see those coverage goes a little bit when he's guarding guys in the slot. Um, very fluid, very good hips. I really like that about his game. Um, you know, he's got to bulk up a little bit because he, like he's mentioned, he's not afraid to hit. Um, but it kind of worries me a little bit. If he doesn't get his weight up that that might lead to some injuries at the next level. So if he can get his weight up a little bit, I, I really like him as a kind of versatile, um, do it all type of safety in the back of the defense. And I think he would pair well nicely with Eddie Jackson, just because both guys have good, uh, speed, good range, good ability to cover. And, Davis can kind of bring that more physical element to the secondary as well. So, you know, in terms of those top five guys, um, who's one guy they look for in this class that, you know, the Bears could get a little bit later in the draft and maybe could find his way into the starting lineup for them at some point? You know, it's so one guy that I'm really high on, and I know right now a lot of people just think that, oh, he's going to be a sh like a sixth or seventh rounder. I would say it's Geno Stone from Iowa, and you look at him, right? And so just he's got really good body control. Is Definitely, I think the awareness for him just sticks out. And then he's, you know, plays with really good instincts as well. And then he takes, takes great angles when it comes to 
tackling. But, uh, you know, he does need to improve, though, just in his inconsistency, you know, just in his consistency when it comes to playing in the red zone. But overall, when you do look at him, there's just a lot to be encouraged about. And I think that this is a guy that you could potentially see him be someone like Adrian Amos, right? And because I felt like with Amos, Amos, right, that was just one of the things that was just so frustrating to watch his first two seasons is the fact that he was inconsistent both in coverage and as a tackler. Yeah, I mean, I love Geno Stone. I, I really like his game, um, you know, in terms of being a day three type of player. Um, you know, Geno Stone, I, I like the comparison to Amos because that's kind of what I saw from him when I watched him in Iowa. You know, they kind of had that similar play style where they come up uh, and they're very physical in the box and they're not afraid to uh, really – let the receiver and ball carrier know that, you know, it's going to be a tough day for them if they're, if they're going to be running around in his area of the field. Um, you know, he didn't test out as the most athletic guy at the combine, but he plays a lot faster than I think he gets credit for. Um, so I like the way that he kind of just runs up and is not afraid to, to go downhill um, in the secondary there. But, you know, another guy that I think could be a nice fit for the Bears in terms of late in this draft is Reggie Floyd out of Virginia Tech. Uh, he's got very good size at six feet, 220 pounds. So, I mean, that's almost ideal box safety type of size right there, almost bordering on the linebacker. He's kind of like a hybrid there. Um, you know, Floyd's not a great athlete in space, and he's got some limitations in coverage. So that might limit him to be more of a rotational type of guy, more of a special teams uh, player in the NFL. But if they can unlock his ability as a true box safety in every sense of the word in terms of he's the guy that's, not afraid to blitz off the edge. He's a guy that, that is not afraid to be physical in the box. He's not afraid to go downhill on running backs. Um, you know, and with a guy like Eddie Jackson as your free safety kind of running around back there, you can cover up some of his limitations in coverage if you're just keeping him within 10 to 15 yards of the line of scrimmage and putting him in situations where he's not asked to move laterally as much and he's just allowed to go downhill and just make plays in that box area. So I, he's a guy that I don't know if he's going to be a true difference maker on a team. If he's drafted, he's a guy that I think is going to go in the fourth, fifth, or maybe even sixth round, depending on how teams value his coverage ability or lack thereof. But I, I do like his game quite a bit from what I saw from him, not as much in 2019, but 2018, 2018, I think he had a little bit better film on him, you know, in a certain sense, but Floyd is a guy that has kind of dropped a little bit during the, draft process and I wouldn't be surprised if he turns out to be a pretty good steal for some team uh, late in this draft yeah and I agree and I think another guy to keep an eye on would potentially be Ohio State's Jordan Fuller because when I watched him um you know back in January I was really encouraged because I think that this is a guy that's like a really rangy safety and that he's very uh confident just in terms of when he's you know, reading what the offense is throwing at him, but he does need to get better at tackling and taking better angles. So Fuller's another guy that I think you look at and you're like, okay, if we can bring this guy, if the Bears can bring this guy in and they can fix his tackling, then he's definitely going to be someone that um, they can develop and he can start next to Eddie Jackson for the next four years and do so on a really cheap four-year contract. Yeah, I mean, we saw that with Jackson. He had a lot of tackling issues coming out of college at Alabama. And, you know, to a certain extent, the tackling issues have kind of carried over to the NFL. But he's developed into good enough of a tackler to where even last year in 2019, 
we saw him play a lot, of it, a lot more in the box, which you know isn't something you want him to do. You want him more back there in that free safety role where he can make plays on the ball and um, cover up for everyone else's mistakes in the back end of the defense. But you know Jackson is capable of doing that. I can see the definitely with Fuller, uh, him being able to do some of the same things if he can work on that tackling a little bit. Um, so we talked about some sleepers. Who's some? Who's one player or maybe two in this draft class that you think might get overdrafted um, based off their draft status right now? So the first guy for me with that would be Clemson's Kavon Wallace. I mean, this is someone that it's like I just think his limitations are that he's going to end up just being that true box safety, which, again, isn't a bad thing. But, like, we've seen Chuck Pagano. I mean, he definitely wants versatility in his defensive backs, right? So you're going to need to figure out just exactly, like, where you would fit Wallace. And I think that um, Wallace is someone that you look at I'm just not like high on as high on him as some people are. Yeah, I kind of get the same feeling with Wallace as well. I think he's, you know, he's solid. You know, I like if they can take a flyer on him on day three. I think ideally is where you get some of those more pure box safety type of guys. I mean, we saw, you know, Deion Bush, Adrian Amos, obviously. I mean, those are the type of safeties you want to get uh, late in the draft. But in terms of one guy for me, that I think might get a little bit overdrafted or is a little bit overhyped right now. Um, I go to your guy, Jeremy Chin, actually, who you has the top five safety in this class out of Southern Illinois. Uh, like you said, he absolutely killed it at the combine. He was awesome out there. I think he had a 40-inch vertical, uh, ran very well, uh, looked pretty fluid in the drills. So uh, Chin's got a lot of physical ability, but I, I don't know. For, for some reason, whenever I was watching him, I just didn't get the sense that uh, he was – dominating out there at Southern Illinois. I, it might Maybe just a couple of games that I was watching where he just didn't stand out to me, but he kind of underwhelmed uh, for me. Whereas, you know, I look at another small school guy, again, these, these two guys were kind of comparable in terms of their physical traits. You know, Kyle Duggar, who I have ranked as my number three and you have ranked in your top five as well. You know, when I watched Duggar play, uh, Duggar really stood out to me in terms of amongst his competition. I, I, for whatever reason, Chen, who's playing at an FCS school, I didn't get that same sense. You know, now, that's not to say that I don't think he can be a very good player because I think Chen has a lot of upside, and I like the athletic and physical tools that he has. And I think if he gets the right coaching staff who can kind of unlock that ability, uh, he could be a very, very good player uh, in the NFL. Um, if he were to go to, you know, the Bears, and the Bears do end up drafting a guy like Jeremy Chen, I think he'd have a lot of success here because – the coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball, uh, we've seen it routinely with guys stepping up with this Bears defense. Uh, they have a lot of good coaches that can get the most out of some of these guys on that side of the ball. And I, the same could be said for a guy like Chin. So if he's a guy that's taken on day three in the fourth round, I think that would be a very good value for him there. Um, in terms of getting him earlier in the second or third round, I, you know, for me, I'm, I'm not too sure, but – He's got some upside, and that's going to entice a lot of teams to maybe overdraft him in some cases. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. So just see the safety positions just like super intriguing this entire offseason because I think you need to lock down someone that's going to start with Jackson until the end of 2023 because you don't want to have to come back to this next offseason and be like, all right, so you have Eddie Jackson under contract, but – who's starting opposite Jackson. I mean, it's going to be an issue if they go into the 2021 offseason. And the safety position is still something that 
basically for three straight off seasons, they're going to need that they'd be addressing. And this draft, I mean, I think this is the draft where they do find the long-term solution that they hope that they probably had found in Ha Clinton Dix, but then Clinton Dix just kind of like played his way out of Chicago. Yeah, it's going to be tough for me, though. I, I kind of agree with you that ideally I'd like them to get that position locked down for the future. But at the same time, it's, it's that strong safety position might be something to where, you know, I just don't know if the Bears value it as much um, in terms of what they're willing to spend on it. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they address that position in the free agency because it's very possible that they look for a guy – in free agency that can come in and kind of lock down the position for the next two or three years or so, you know, until they can find a guy that can actually take over. Um, so that's going to be very dependent on what they do there. But transitioning from what they would do there in free agency to the draft, in terms of how you'd address it, you know, where would you be looking for um, a safety in this draft? And what type of skill set are you looking for from a guy uh, for the Bears? You know, so I'd look for someone that's rangy, that you can, you know, put in man or zone coverage and that they can be effective. And that's someone that's going to be an enforcer. And so that's why, like I said earlier in the show, that's why I really like Ashton Davis. So I think that he is going to be a guy that he's worth potentially taking one of those second round picks on because, I mean, at this point, I just feel like he is a uh, proven product. I think that his play style would complement Eddie Jackson really well because what you'd have is Davis kind of patrolling the second level, right, alongside the linebackers. And he's been used in the slot too in some cases on the film that we've seen. And then you would allow Eddie Jackson to kind of just roam back there and do his thing. So Davis, the reason I love him so much, is he's just an overall and natural fit in this offense, in this defense. Well, I agree with you that definitely looking for someone that can complement Eddie Jackson's skill set is something that I think is so key this offseason, especially in the draft, because we saw it last year. I mean, Hot Clinton Dix was a very solid player, I thought, for the Bears. But I think, you know, personally, in my opinion, I thought he kind of reduced Eddie Jackson's effectiveness last season because we saw in 2018 Eddie Jackson had a lot more reps playing that deep safety role, which allowed him to make a lot more plays on the ball. And when you have Eddie Jackson up around the line of scrimmage a lot more, that kind of you know takes away his best skill set. And they kind of just had to do that because Clinton Dix, he wasn't quite fit for that role either. But, you know, Eddie Jackson, you know, he's a great playmaker. He's a great ball hawk. And I just want to see him get more to doing that stuff instead of doing a lot of the box duties. So if I'm looking for a guy in this draft personally, you know, for me, I would look for somebody that can fill in those box duties a little bit, uh, be a little bit more of a physical tackling presence uh, in the running game a little bit. You know, because I feel feel like even if the guy doesn't have the range and the versatility that you talked about in coverage, you know, Eddie Jackson's such a good player in the back end of that defense towards if he's playing that uh, deep safety role, he can cover up for uh, some of the mistakes that, you know, a lesser uh, athletic and not as rangy safety, um, you know, for the opposite of him will have in coverage a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, totally agree with everything you just said there. So I know, like, right now, you know, the, the deal with the Bears is this is you never know who they're bringing in on pre-draft visits. Mm-hmm. I mean, and even if a name does leak, it's like the Bears' odds are they're not going to draft that guy because there's always someone behind the scenes that uh, they're looking to bring in. And that's why, like, I know we just rattled off tons of names, but um, 
you know, it could be very likely that they don't go with one of those names at all. And then, you know, Pace just has his own hidden gem that kind of shocks us on, uh, you know, during the draft weekend. And it's like, oh, yeah. Uh, but And then that guy pans out and we're all like, hey, Pace was a genius again for taking this guy. Yeah, it seems like for whatever reason, he always seems to find that fourth or fifth round safety that uh, has a good role for on this team and, uh, you know, does just a nice, nice set of jobs where, you know, he's a guy that just brings a lot of bang for your buck. And that's kind of what we're looking for uh, in the drafts, especially in that day three area. Can you get somebody that can fill a role for you and give you some nice production? So, you know, we've talked about the defensive back group a lot in this draft class. I think you and I can both agree that there's just so many talented players in this class that, I think if they can get one of the guys that we just mentioned here, they're going to be in a much better spot, I think, for this defense going forward. Uh, so we've talked a lot about the draft here right now, but before we end up end this episode and uh, for you guys here, uh, we're going to get our third ad read in here with another word from our sponsor. And we're back here at Picks for Pace. We've had a long discussion about some of the defensive back talent in this upcoming draft, but – you know, we're a week away from free agency, so I thought we would be remiss not to at least have a little bit of a conversation about that that's about to go on. I think, you know, this upcoming free agency period, it's going to be utter chaos, I think, with some of the big names available, especially at quarterback. You know, you say it for you, what are you most excited for for this upcoming free agency period? So I'm excited to see what Pace does at the tight end position because here's the thing. Look, you have Austin Hooper and Eric Ebron who are your number one and two guys. And it's been that way ever since the report came out that Hunter Henry was going to be tagged. But when you do look at it, right, if you go out and you sign Hooper, Henry, and I wrote this in my article that dropped today on our website, if you go out and you sign Austin Hooper or um, – Eric Ebron, the issue is that you basically admitting that you messed up on Trey Bird, who's due like $8.5 million in 2020. However, that would also fix the tight end problem. But if you miss out on Hooper and Ebron, then I think there's some lower end guys like Nick Vanette or Tyler Eifert, for example, that I think you could pretend that you need to consider because both of those guys, they're not going to blow you away. But um, they are they have shown that they're enough to get the job done. Yeah, I know for me personally, I'm really dreading um, the possibility of possibly overpaying for Austin Hooper. It's not because I, th- I think he's a bad player or anything like that, but I think he's a guy that's hitting the open market at the exact right time because he's going to be the best player available. And we're about to see a new with the new CBA coming up that the cap's about to jump up quite a bit, I think, in the next couple of seasons. And he's going to be a guy that's going to benefit from that. So I think he's going to get a ridiculous offer from some team on the free agency side of things. And I, you know, for me, I, I think Austin Hooper's a nice player, but I don't think he's a guy worth investing upwards of $10 million per year type of money for that tight end spot. Um, you know, he's just not the, quite the mismatched nightmare, nightmare type of guy that – you know, I want at that position in this offense. And it's very possible that, you know, Nagy might see him as that guy and he might uh, want Pace to go full steam ahead and get him for this offense. And that might still be possible. But, you know, you mentioned Tyler Eifert. That's a guy that I've been kind of looking forward to the Bears maybe taking a chance on because, you know, with Trey Burton's contract and injury situation, I just don't know if you can rely on him uh, this upcoming year to really give you anything of substance in terms of production. But, 
if he can get back to 100% healthy, which is a big if, I, I know, but um, I, think, I thought he proved in 2018 that he can be a very solid option in this passing game. And, you know, that might not be the best thing for this offense because the tight end position is so um, important in what Nagy wants to do there. And it really helps out the quarterback situation as well because, you know, that, that was something where – we saw last year where Mitch Trubisky just did not have that security option over the middle of the field that he could go to at that tight end spot to really help him out. There just wasn't anything there for him. That, and that, along with some of his other struggles, really helped tank his season, I thought. So they need to address that tight end position. I like a guy like Eifert because he has experience with Bill Lazor, the new offensive coordinator here. So they're going to have that relationship. He's going to be able to know, you know how to get the most out of him as a player, I think. Um, when he's having his conversation with Nagy and when they're putting the offense together. And he's a guy that he wouldn't be somebody that would replace Trey Burton outright, but he's somebody that would compete for some snaps and get on the field potentially. And who knows, if Trey Burton gets back to 100% health and he's playing at a pretty solid level again, now you have two options at that U position to where that can do a lot of different things for your offense now, where you have two guys that you can line up all over the field as kind of to create some mismatches for your offense, which would definitely help as well. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, I hadn't even thought about the connection between uh, Bill Lazor and Tyler Eifert. And I think that's just another reason why we've seen – it's because of that connection we see, like, the Bears potentially talking to Andy Dalton. But I think that at the same time, like, that's another name to consider that could really um, – that the Bears – that, you know, one name that no one's talking about right now that uh, the Bears could go out and sign and surprise a couple of people. Yeah, definitely. And, and... – you know, he, he hasn't been talking a lot because I, I know a lot of Bears fans, they want to go after the big name like like a Austin Hoover. But, you know, the Bears have to start making decisions on who they are and aren't going to pay. I know, I know the CBA, the cap space, it's going to go up. But, you know, they have to figure out what positions are important to invest in long term. And, you know, that's going to be a deciding factor for me in terms of who they decide to go after in free agency and who this, they decide to pass on in free agency. And, you know, for me, you know, kind of sticking with that here, and that kind of brings me to what the Bears have in terms of their own guys, you know, what they're going to do with that inside linebacker position because, you know, it's very possible that, you know, with Dan Trevathan, Nick Wachowski, and Kevin Pierre-Lewis all going to be free agents that, you know, I, I prefer them to keep two out of the three, the two cheapest options there, but if they end up missing out on all three of them, that can be something that – uh you know, that could really hurt this defense going forward because all three of those guys played at a very high level for them this last year. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that it's, it's truly – so I think Kevin Pierre-Louis, they will figure out a way to retain just because he's going to be much – of the three, Trevathan, Kwiatkowski, and KPL, I mean, KPL is the cheapest. But when you look at Kwiatkowski and Trevathan, you're it's, – it's, it's not like flipping a coin, right? But, like, you're gambling on potentially – do you bring the veteran back? in Trevathan that's the quarterback of the defense or do you bring the guy back that basically stepped up for Trevathan and Roquan Smith in 2019 and is has basically earned the big payday that he's gonna get now I personally I would go with Kwiatkowski but if he gets too expensive then you got to figure out a way to bring back Trevathan on a cheap two-year deal yeah I've heard like a wide uh range of opinions on what Kwiatkowski's market gonna be Personally, I think he's going to get a big contract from somebody else. And if he does, you know, I personally prefer prefer to go with Dan Trevathan, who, 
you know what you're getting out of him. Um, you know, you know, he fits this system very well. You know, he fits his culture and this defense very well. And I think he's got some productive years left in him. He's going to be 30 years old uh, next season, but I, I, I still see the speed. I still see the coverage ability. I still see the tackling ability. He's got it all still. And the instincts are always there, you know, and his price might go down a bit because of the injury questions. He only had one healthy season with the bears and that was 2018. And when you go back to his days in Denver, even he wasn't the most healthy. He didn't have the best uh, durability history there as well. So that's might be something that kind of brings down his value. I think to where if the Bears can get him on a cheap contract, uh, that might be the best way going forward. I think either way, I think I'm very confident that the linebacker position will be figured out this offseason. Uh, you mentioned KPL. I, I think he's going to be kept on kind of like a Sherrick McManus type of deal, around like one and a half million to two million, maybe to be that rotational linebacker slash special teammates for them because I really like what he did for them as that rotational guy last season. Um, very good athlete, very good in coverage, um, very good blitzer, I thought, as well. He, he definitely shows some things. If they decide to go cheap there, I wouldn't be opposed to it either, though, because while I'd like to keep two out of the three, like I mentioned, you know, I think a lot of credit has to go to the coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball, that linebacker spot with and with Pagano being able to scheme it up to where – he was able to get the most out of those guys. So I, if the Bears come with the opinion that they maybe need to invest on other places, namely on the offensive side of the ball, I could see it being a possibility that they decide to save money at that linebacker spot, uh, give Roquan the keys to the car, so to speak, and try and just find a, a veteran for cheap out there that can kind of fill a role for them and see what happens and, and see if their coaching staff can uh, get enough out of somebody else to um, maybe where they can – you know, get away with saving a little bit of money here and there. Yeah, I agree. You know, and the thing is, is this so this isn't like past off seasons where the Bears are they had tons of cap space, so they could have addressed multiple positions and been fine. But when you look at it, right, you have limited resources and there's a lot of needs. And so, how are you going to address those needs? And free agency is obviously one way, but you never want to kind of get into the habit of overpaying for a guy just because I think like with the linebacker class, right? So there's a couple of guys like Corey Littleton, Joe Schobert that I look at and I'm like, okay, uh, Blake Martinez is another one, Kukowski even. So these are guys that they're tier two linebackers in the NFL, in some cases, even tier three. I'm not sure if those guys can really make the jump to tier two. Because at this point, they are going to be paid like tier two guys, right? So you're just going to be careful with who you hand your money out to. Yeah, it's it's always a numbers game, I think. And the last thing here you said, um, if it were up to you, how would you address the quarterback position in free agency? So for free agency, right, I would say you need to bring in a vet, right? And so what I would do is potentially bring someone in, right? Like um, I, I don't see them going after Teddy Bridgewater because he's going to be too expensive. I think that if they want an established veteran, someone like Case Keenum would make sense because Keenum's not going to break the bank. And we've seen Keenum, right? He can play at a uh, high level, right? He can play at a high level when, um, you know, called upon and when there's a good, consistent offensive core around him. So I would go with Keenum and I would draft someone like Anthony Gordon in uh, round four. And then if the option does open up, right, would you pull the trigger on a trade for Josh Rosen? Depending on price, yes and no. Um, you know, because Rosen does have his own concerns. But uh, that's just someone that's, like, still going into their third year. Fifth-year option obviously has not been picked up yet because he's going to be – he was a 
former first rounder. That's someone that's like, you know, development's been stunted, but you could definitely see him reviving his career in um, Chicago. Yeah, Rosen's interesting because, like you said, he's a, he's a guy that obviously has the talent as a former first round pick. Um, and the main my, the main thing with me with Rosen is, you know, I wouldn't mind the Bears trading for him. It, it comes down to the price tag. You know, the fact that two organizations have given up on him or have seemingly given up on him, I don't know how the Dolphins are going to go about it this offseason, but, I mean, they benched him last year when there was really no reason to. I mean, they, they were flat-out tanking. So, um, you'd think they would keep Rosen out there as long as possible, but the fact that they gave up on him so quickly uh, last year, uh, that it's tough because, you know, I, you, know, you want to see these guys who are, you know, drafted to come in and, and find the right situation for them, especially quarterbacks, and uh, have success. And he just hasn't. He's been in two of the worst situations, I think, imaginable for a young quarterback coming into this league. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. I, I, would, I definitely wouldn't mind trading for Rosen, especially if they don't draft a quarterback, because then you get another young developmental piece to uh, come in and see if you can get the most out of him. Um, you know, in terms of a veteran, I, I agree. Getting a veteran is the top priority, I think, for this uh, team this offseason. We've heard a lot of rumors about Andy Dalton being the fit. Um, that rumor went around quite a bit around the combine uh, that, the, that the Bears were, you know, talking with the Bengals about training for Dalton. And you now it seems like they've had permission to uh, talk with his agent and to discuss maybe how they would address the contract situation if uh, they were to get a deal done with the trade. So, you know, something tells me that Andy Dalton might be the name, which I know a lot of Bears fans, you know, won't be a fan of because Andy Dalton kind of has that, you know, he hasn't had a very, he didn't have a very good last year. And he kind of just has that stink from, you know, all of his past uh, poor performances in the playoffs with the Bengals. You know, we look back to uh, earlier in his career, but, you know, Andy Dalton's kind of like the benchmark for average starting quarterback player, or at least that's how I've always perceived him. Um, you know, he's not spectacular, but I don't think he's terrible either. So, if the Bears can get him at a relatively cheap price, you know, in terms of the trade market, um, you know, I wouldn't mind that, although that wouldn't be my top choice. You know, Alex and I have talked about quite a bit in this podcast that Derek Carr has kind of been our top option, but I don't know how realistic that is because I, I have no idea what the Raiders are going to do in the free agency. It is a complete mystery what they're doing in Las Vegas. It's very possible they could go for a big splash like Tom Brady, or they could look to, you know, kind of support – uh, Derek Carr with a better backup option, like a Marcus Mariota, for instance. You know, it's kind of been rumored uh, for them as well. Um, you know, it's going to be tough because there's a lot of options out there for the Bears that they could pursue. But like we've said a lot before, the cap space isn't quite there. and The draft capital isn't quite there to where uh, they can swing and miss on a guy. Yeah, I agree. And that's why, like, so Pace's margin for error at this point is just uh, super thin. So, you know, it's going to be interesting next few weeks to monitor. And I just hope he does the right thing because, like, you saw the way he handled the kicker situation last year and Panario emerged. I hope the same's done for the quarterback situation this year so that they, you know, are able to lock that down and salvage the uh, championship window that this team has. Yeah, as long as Tyler Bray is not the number three, I think I'll be happy. <laughs> um, so, you know, with that, I think uh, we, we talked a lot here on this episode. I think, you know, that comes this, this episode being to an end. Uh, so we're going to conclude our time here for this episode of Picks for Pace. Uh, I want to thank you, Usaid, one last time for coming on. It was awesome to have him 
on here to talk some defensive backs, talk a little bit of free agency. Always good to have him on the podcast. Uh, for you Bears fans and NFL draft enthusiasts alike, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Picks for Pace. Uh, we look forward to continuing our series of position previews heading into the 2020 NFL draft, which is quickly approaching coming up on April 23rd. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.